Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Woody Allen Retrospective right here on PlanetTyro.com. I am your host, Donald Wonder, and I have that returning arse of the century. As always, we love you, Simon. Oh, we love to hate you. Simon Red! Well, I wish I was an asshole a bit sooner. I would be probably in this movie. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I would fit right in. <laughs> Guys, if you listening to our discussions on the Woody Allen retrospective, we want to thank you. Last time, we actually spoke about one of my favorite Woody Allen movies, a joy all around, something that me and Simon both enjoyed, 1997's Deconstructing Harry. If you missed that discussion, I'll put a link in the YouTube card, the top right-hand corner, you can go back to that discussion. But if you're not listening on YouTube and you're listening just on the podcast, I'll put a link in the description to the whole playlist because, again, guys, if this is your first time listening, we're doing the Woody Allen retrospective. We've been doing it all year, over 30 recordings. Check out the playlist. Check out all recordings, every single Woody Allen movie. This motherfucker right here, Simon Red, is joining me on his journey and I'm putting through hell. But, you know, we're at the end of the 90s right now. And before we start with this movie, don't forget, guys, we've got the website. WoodyAllenRetro.com. Go there for all the everything we've done before. We're going to get into a spoiler discussion on the movie we're talking about now. So we would prefer it if you watch the movie before we start talking about it. But if you don't care, you just want to listen to us talk about these movies because we're fucking casuals. We don't work for these fucking review sites and we're very brash. We know some of you hipsters hate the way we speak about the Woody Allen movies. We're not eloquent. Ha! You know, speaking of which, I just saw this week a full-on gameplay from game journalists. And let me tell you about it. In the 21st century with bloggers, people that call themselves journalists, it's another word for unemployed idiot. Incompetent fuck. So yeah, we're not like that. Thank you. Okay, this is genuine, intelligent people. Genuine intelligent assholes we are, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to say that, but I, I censored myself. Yeah, well, no. you're not going to censor yourself when we continue this conversation. So on that no. note, Simon, can you just continue with, with, you know, getting us into the movie as you always do, and then start the discussion? Yeah, yo, let's jump right in. Because honestly, the 90s are shaping up to be the best Woody Allen decade for consistency. Cause oh, that's consistent. controversial. That's already a controversial statement. Uh, th- th- you know what? Fuck them. Let's go controversial full on, okay? (laughs) Because he's continuously challenging himself, trying out new things. And I really think that the overall quality of movies are very, very good. You know, we have less uh, slippery slopes or less snoozer films. And this one's no exception, you know? 1998, Celebrity. I mean, just from the title, you can tell that this movie will be very relevant. It's kind of a forward-thinking movie, but also a retrospective one, a critique on society. Nothing that's very distant from Woody. You know, we, we have mm. seen him talk about this before, and the core foundation will sound very familiar again, which is we have a husband and wife who kind of fall apart, mostly on the husband's end in the beginning, who feels like his life kind of became stale. The husband's name is Lee Simon, played by Kenneth Branagh. And he just decides to leave his wife, played by Judy Davis. The uh, character's name is Robin. Just if you didn't feel like this movie was 90s enough, I mean, this is the ultimate 90s movie if you watch it. It actually gave me flashbacks to the 90s. But the main plot line is classic Woody. He made that movie in the 70s. He made that movie in the 80s. They go fall apart and they try to experiment with being single, finding a new relationship. And just like... Judy Davis actually did this in previous Woody Allen movies like uh, Husbands and Wives. Yeah. Which, again, is a terrific movie. One of the one of the, the best. And, again, made in this decade. But so a retrack of that. But not to say that this movie is by any means a repeat of what 
what he has done in the past. Even though the core plotline is very familiar, the movie stays true to its title and focuses on actual celebrities. So both Kenneth Branagh and Junior Davis's character are kind of prominent in the New York celebrity scene. Uh, both of them come from kind of a writing and an acting background. And then when they get divorced, they pursue careers in similar industries. So Lee tries to diversify his writing because he hated his previous job, which I think was linked to travel, writing about travel. So he's trying to write about fashion, sports, do more interviews, as well as work on his own novel and work on a screenplay. While Judy Davis's character, Robin, trying to find herself again and ultimately, you know, considers maybe working in the television industry. But that's not really what the movie's about. And that's the movie's strength, that it pushes all that in the background. And we get an influx of very interesting, larger-than-life characters where the real meat of the story comes in that Woody's technically critiquing society. He's poking fun of the ridiculousness of the concept of a celebrity that any idiot you put in front of a camera can be famous. And we can elaborate on this more. I want to hear what were your favorite parts. It's obvious what was my favorite part (laughs) in a minute. But honestly, there's not much else to discuss. If, If you like Woody's humor you will feel at home here. But there are certain things to debate about the film that, you know, you could feel like they were less successful in this one than maybe in some other films. Yeah, I mean, um, I won't go on and on and on about this movie because when you guys, if you just look at the the box art cover, the DVD cover of the movie, you see all these stars, you know, the you know, the Caprio, Winona Ryder, Charlie Oh yeah, once again, an, an all-star cast, hands yeah. down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You even see lesser characters that, even, as always, Woody seems to cast people that weren't stars at the time, but, you know, later go on to have careers and all that stuff. So, um, I mean, J.K. Simmons has a cameo in this movie, you know? You even reminded me that your boy, your man, your god, Donald Trump. Actually oh, Jesus, God, that, that dickhead. <laughs> oh, see, that's another thing. Like, one of the first points they bring up is that everything, everything on television, everything in the media... It's just a farce. It's just a joke. It's just theater, including politics. They talk. They just hint at the Clinton scandal at the time with the yeah. affair, yeah, and the ridiculousness of it all and everything. And all I think about is like, wow, you know, Woody once again ahead of his time with the political theater and how fake news and just basically being a controversial asshole is going to be more powerful than actually a competent politician in a few years in the age of social media. And then what do you know? <laughs> yeah. An hour later in the film, who makes a cameo? Good old Donald Trump. And you mm-hmm. actually forget that there was a time where this guy can be on camera without, you know, immediately triggering a gag ref- reflex. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah, before he went crazy and became the most ridiculously counterproductive person on the planet, the most incompetent fucking president ever. Oh, yeah, he on. was just a... He was just a dickhead tearing down buildings, making bad jokes about it, you know. He will never be impeached, and he's a Hollywood celebrity. And, you know, even his career as a actor such celebrity progressed to the point where he's a president. So, Simon, once again, Woody it's, Allen it, the whole, the, the whole, future. Exactly. The whole thing is fucking crazy. This movie's crazy, but it ages beautifully because the ridiculousness he's portraying in 1998 is the reality and what's considered the norm in today's society 
Interesting, interesting. Well, you know what? I want to ask you, before I get into my little spiel about the movie, I want to ask you a question. And I'm not trying to set you up on anything. Do you think the black and white served the movie? Because it's been a while since Woody Allen made a black and white movie, and this is black and white. Do you think that actually helped the movie or served the movie, gave it a bit more pizzazz or whatever? Because I was, I was kind of like, eh, I don't, I don't really think this one needed it, to be honest with you. It did nothing for me. But here's the thing. This this is Woody Allen's most 90s, 90s movie. I mean, it starts with the Miramax logo. It has Winona Ryder in it. Hmm. has an unknown young Leonardo DiCaprio. It sounds like you've got a checklist right now, by the way. <laughs> yeah. It's set in black and white. It's shot with a lot of wide angles about the city. It has a director talking about groundbreaking special effects that they could have done a year beforehand. It has all the typical 90s clothing, the suits. You know, Woody's very particular and meticulous about his details. We established this ever since Sleeper, that he goes into great detail to make sure everything's fine, everything's yeah. accurate. And I mean, this this isn't, this isn't even a historical piece when he made it. He made it in 1998. So he was just really trying to portray the celebrity landscape that he himself experienced. Yeah, you're right. I, I agree with everything you're saying there. But you know what? I want to start with the negatives, to be honest. I think that's going to make Go it a little bit more balanced because you've been praising the movie quite a bit. Let me take it down a peg and be the arsehole. Everyone knows I am. So first of all, Woody Allen, ironically, this is the first time in a string that he didn't cast himself in the movie. But Kenneth Branagh, or Branagh, I can't even pronounce his surname properly. Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh. 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 Yeah, that's that's here over here from the UK. You should know this motherfucker. I should be the one struggling. I've seen him before, and I, you know, I'm noticing. But man, you know, there's a there's a difference between playing a Woody Allen type character and just trying to imitate Woody Allen to a T. And to be honest with you, when I was watching him just being that Woody Allen character and forcing all those mannerisms, it really seemed really kind of forced. And it was kind of charming at first, but I just, it really felt like he was trying so hard to channel Woody Allen, who isn't in the movie. I'm like, this, yeah. is, this is how you don't do it. I mean, Woody Allen has a lot of characters that are obviously him, but <laughs> this time... Or, or as he describes it, completely different people that is by no means based on any real life experiences he experienced. Yeah, and you know, I just, it, that is just him acting as that. I think he could, he does a really good Woody Allen impression. If this was a SNL skit, you know, it would be funny, but for Woody Allen <laughs> to direct him to be that, just be me, be as be as much me as you can. And it just, I didn't like it. I really didn't. And on top of that, to be honest with you, Woody Allen's character are always variations of assholes, but to, they're kind of likable. This guy is a, is a piece of shit. And I'm you, telling you. You know, it, it's funny you brought that up. Because with the black and white thing, when they introduced the couple, so basically yeah. Lee and Robin, I was thinking about you because... Uh, even though I saw this movie in parts before, but this was the the first time in a while I saw it from beginning beginning to end, and I was like, "This is basically the movie that if you ever wonder what ever happened to the the other couple from Manhattan, you know, the character you hated in Manhattan, Woody Allen's friend. Yeah, what happened to them right after Manhattan? You know, <laughs> if they ever got a divorce, because this guy comes off as the same type of asshole. When we meet him, he's basically He's already a reporter. Uh, the timeline is a bit skewed up, so we learn about his divorce later. Yeah. When we're introduced to the character, he just just has things fall into his lap. He meets Winona Ryder randomly. He's like, oh, I, don't I know you? Yeah, yeah, I know you, and I want to fuck you, and I'm sure we're going to fuck later in the movie. Okay, bye, gorgeous young girl. And then 
he has this interview with uh, the actress from the opening scene. Mm. Uh, who played her again? Just, just I can't remember. But he, the, this movie goes through a cycle of him being this kind of. Melanie Griffith, I Ah, uh, yes, that's it, Melanie Griffith. And, and, and again, gets a free blowjob straight off the bat. Yeah. Meanwhile, his character just comes off as a t- complete asshole. And for me, I didn't like that. You said it was charming in the beginning. I had the ex- exact opposite. No, no, no. His performance was charming, not his character. It was His character oh. was a complete asshole. Oh, either way, I had the exact opposite experience that okay. it was it, in the beginning, it annoyed me. It was too much, yeah. And I got more used to it as the movie went along. But I, I agree with you. To me, that that was kind of weak. Like, um, yeah. it made me less interested in his storyline. He's just, an, he's just look. He's a, he's an asshole who falls into luck, like you said. First with many Griffith, then he goes on this little twist with uh, Charlie's Fair on one of my all-time favorite crushes. Oh, and, oh, who never we, ages, by the way. Another, we, we need, yeah. That, that's what I was gonna bring up. That. Let me let's get back to that because I want to jump. I want to jump ahead a little bit before we get back to that. So, and then obviously he has this whole thing with DiCaprio, and then at the end it tries to come full circle. The only thing I appreciated is Woody Allen, but he does it all the time. Woody Allen gives him a like not a bad ending, but a kind of he ends up kind of not losing everything, but it kind of ends in a way where he's got some perspective and it's all meaningless. And Woody Allen, so many movies where he ends up being the only one out. You said this as well in Husbands and Wives where he went through all this stuff, but he ends up being the only one out. So yeah, are crimes you and to, misdemeanors. Yeah. So are you meant to feel like, oh, he's doing it's less At the end, I just thought that, you know what, you're just a, you're just an arsehole. But putting him aside because he's only part of the movie. Look, man, Judy Davis' character, honestly, Woody Allen, he's actually typecasting her. Because she's doing the same thing for the hey, fourth you time. Know, I thought that was Mia Farrow, to be honest with you. Especially in the beginning. Like, they introduce her character were with a friend there at some religious resort. Yeah. Where they, again, one of the funny bits in the movie, uh, Woody Allen pokes fun of Christians. And that's always hilarious. So they're at this Christian rehabilitation center, apparently. And they're talking about how she got so upset about her divorce that she contemplated hiring a hitman and i'm like that sounds like me a pharaoh yeah in fact this whole movie's at least the first draft of the script just appeared like something woody may have written in the mia pharaoh days and never got around to making and now revisited and rewrote it a bit yeah but judy davis gets to play this role multiple times and here's the thing about judy davis her character is losing her shit to the nth degree swearing left and right and the scene happens again, the scene where, you know, he's talking to Kenneth Bagham. Just tell me who you cheat. Just tell me. I'm not going to lose my shit. I'm not going to lose my shit. I'm not going to lose my shit. And then what does she do? She loses her shit. I'm not, just, I'm not saying that she's not justified as a character. I'm just saying that I'm looking at Woody as a director that I hire her because she does these really neurotic, losing her shit moments, which is really good. Once you've seen it that in the first three movies, that, that's, she can really do that well. But I actually want to see her do a different role. And Woody has been casting her doing the same thing. And I'm, this movie does turn a little bit because her arc turns into uh yes, she's betrayed by her husband for the fourth time as a character again, again, again. But this time <laughs> she meets Mr. Perfect again, which is a fantastic actor, which we spoke about in Alice. Oh, Joe Montega. Yeah. Who I believe Woody Allen actually wants to have sex with that guy because he always casts him. <laughs> I don't blame as, you saying that. <laughs> yeah. He always casts him as a knight in short ending yeah. armor to a T this time to a yeah, perfect yeah, to T a, a perfect T and that's why I thought that this was a Mia Farrow character recycled and I, I agree with you and I actually I actually liked that arc where you know she had to learn that you know 
sometimes things can just turn out too good to be true. And I like that. I thought that was decent. But to be honest with you, I don't mind seeing that arc. But her, I just thought her as an actress should have just done a different role. Because I've seen her do this so many times. And that she was a bit underutilized, right? Definitely. As an actress, I just think I've seen you do this before. I just want to see something different. But as a character, she probably had the most interesting part. Not as hateable as Kenneth Branagh's part. But man... The rest of the actors, some of the bigger profile actors that you might be watching the movie to see, I wonder what Leo's going to do. I wonder what Charlie's fans going to do. They have very small arcs and... Well, because they were all very young. True. They weren't established, except for Leo, who was climbing. He was really climbing. By this time, he'd made his biggest, you know, already done Titanic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was yeah, the same yeah. year he did The Beach. 19, was that 2001? But either way, he was... It, it, was, bet- it was between... Yeah, like, Titanic was 1997. So yeah. that's when everything really started, you know, propelling him to yeah. as a leading man but yeah. also his 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 boy toby mcguire was in the last movie so you know they, yeah. they were gonna they were gonna make this happen but yeah you're completely right in closing i would say yes yeah, she is underutilized but her character is overutilized like i think yeah. less would have been more of her true because we've seen this character so many times before yeah. and we don't need to see her go through the same predictable arc mm. the whole point of her character is that she starts off very bitter which we've seen before but then goes through a transformation and yeah. actually benefits positively from the separation, yeah. from going from an unhappy marriage to really finding herself and opening up to new experiences and becoming a different person. And then you get that Woody and an ironic ending that yeah. kind of reminded me of, I guess, uh, crimes and misdemeanors in a way, mm. where one character goes through a certain journey and ends up more miserable than you think. And the other character that had more difficulty coping with the situation during the same time frame comes out comes out better i mean in husbands know? and wives the t- you know the twist was that after the breakup that she yeah, actually yeah. got back together with her husband and they reconciled and that was interesting in this movie again she finds mr perfect and has to accept that she's just got that luck and she needs to accept it and she's the one that's bringing it down so those two things but again i just felt like i've seen you do this idea before it's not different enough but i don't want to focus too much on these two but these two characters, the kind of the husband and wife, they're the thorough line to the movie, and every other character is more or less a cameo. So let's talk about the other ones that had a little bit of spotlight. Now, as for Charlie's Theron, I, I wonder if she would watch this role now and be a bit upset because she's having fun with the role. And I know in this feminist age, maybe now people, oh, she's just a sex idol and she, you know, oh, she's not acting. No, 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 no. Look, she's having you, fun with it. I'm not. I'm. I'm just saying that she had a you're good. Ba- role. Ba- you're basically talking about my favorite part of the movie, because let me tell you, up until that point, which which is the main, the first cameo scene, right? So yeah. we established through flashbacks who Kenneth Branagh's character is, and we got his crucial scene, which was he went to his, I think, class reunion from a high school, and he says never do it, which I'm like. Fuck yeah, never do that fucking shit. Yeah, it's the most depressing thing ever. And he sees all these, his old friends and classmates got old. They live miserable fucking lives. And He was very judgmental. And that's, that's yeah, what, that uh, was a uh, point that, of him that, turning that, to an asshole. <laughs> that, was his, that was the birth of the asshole, by the way, that point. Uh, see, the reason I brought that up, because to me, that's when he became a likable character of from course, being Because I could see you there saying, the same, look at all these motherfuckers. They look like they're dying. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be there. And my wife, she's a piece of shit. She ain't motivating me. We haven't had sex for weeks and he just realized, I need to fuck a hot bitch. I need to fuck that bitch over there. That's what I need to do. So I'm not surprised you love that shit. Because you're an asshole. 
Well, maybe I am. But to me, that's maybe. when the character became real. Because at first, you just saw this guy who, you know, that's the thing. I thought maybe they should have gotten somebody a bit more. I, I mean, George Clooney was already big at the time because he did uh, uh, From Dust Till Dawn, Batman and Robin. So he was very expensive. But I'm like, I didn't buy that. This guy is just driving around this in this Aston Martin and yeah. getting uh, into all, all these, you know, f- almost fantasy-like adventures. And you, and you didn't buy it because he had the Woody Allen persona. If he was his yeah, own character, yeah, exactly, it would have been a lot better. Exactly. He didn't feel real. Yeah. And, thank you. And, but then we got this flashback and you understood where he came from and that he really made this conscious effort to change his life. And fuck yeah, I agree with that scene when he goes to this uh, class reunion. I mean, I had the same experience my first day in class. I had the same thoughts. I'm like, fuck these guys. It's, not, it's, it's not the fact that he had those thoughts because that's a. there's so many movies about midlife crisis. You realize that, you know, I'm just not happy. So that was fine. It's just that through the movie, he goes through the same cycle of as soon as he sees a hot chick, he just keeps, it's like he falls into lust repeatedly. He's an opportunist. He's just, he just seems like an overall arsehole and he doesn't really seem to, at his core, he just seems to be chasing a dream. Chasing fame, chasing something, and it doesn't seem okay. legitimate. It okay. seems kind of gone. You're you're right, and that's his overall character arc. That at first he appears to be overtly lucky, but then his bad luck kicks in, and nothing seems to be working out. But I guess once again, even his character is a bit too much in the forefront. Because let me tell you, mm. when we get to the fashion show part where he's just attending the fashion show as a writer, and we see the models, and she, she, we see Charlie Stern. God damn, she steals the movie. I mean, I was mildly entertained up until that point. But when mm. she comes on, I'm like, I can watch this movie forever. I can just watch her in black and white as this character. Can, can we can we just pause and put on little sexist warning right now? We're just gonna we're gonna draw a bit over Charlie's film because as an actress, let me say this for the record, I'm a massive fan. I've actually seen all of her movies. Even one of my favorite Charlie's former movies is a movie everybody hates. It's a movie called Sweet November, which is a rom-com with her and Keanu Reeves. And people hate that movie. I love that movie. I love that movie too. And people hate yeah. that movie. And I understand why. But obviously, Devil's Advocate. That, anything... I love that movie too. Of course, yeah. it's a, that's a fantastic movie. Everybody loves that movie. But I just want to say, when you see her in this movie, and she is very slim. This was her at the peak of a no, modernist. No, no, no. She's put on weight now, which is good, but she's really thin in this movie. Screw that. You know what? She might be thin for herself, but this is 90s models who were thick. Sure. Like, this is what, what I grew up as a kid, like on Tyra Banks and Naomi Campbell and all those guys. And yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, oh, oh, she looks so beautiful. And uh, but people say, oh, so she's just hot. No, 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 no. It's the way she carries herself in the movie. That takes skill. That takes a, per- that's a, it's a performance, you know? It's, a, it's, a, it's clear that she's not just eye candy. And I, that's the thing, because when I was watching the movie, I thought, uh, she sees us now, she's probably going to be upset, but that's not it. Because funny enough, she, Kenneth Banagher thinks he's gotten a bit lucky, but she's using him. And there's one scene at the, obviously, I always bring this up, guys. There's one scene where she's at the party and there's this black guy that gets a hold of her. <laughs> <laughs> And then he gets his way with her. And, you know, that's one of the first times. I thought that was a big actor, but then he was just like an extra. But that guy, the inner party, that's one of the comedic parts where he leaves her for a moment at a party. She keeps on, he wants to have sex with her. He keeps wanting to take her home. Yeah. Yeah, but she keeps wanting to make these pit stops. And there's one scene where, you know, she's dirty dancing with this black guy and he comes, he's kind of watching, kind of women away. It's classic Woody Allen. When you see that as classic Woody Allen comedy, he's done that multiple times and Charlie's Ferrin owns it. And obviously, you know, the, the bit where that 
that arc ends, that Charlie's having arc ends, is where she's finally going home with him, and he's so intoxicated he drives into a, into a, into a glass wall. He drives to a shop wall, and it's that's actually really funny. I thought that was actually really funny. And again, great acting because you think that Troy Sterling's character would just continue to be crazy, but she actually turns real and she's like, "What the hell is this? I need to get out of here." Exactly. You know exactly. And, and yeah, that's why I love that segment because. When it opens up, it's, again, very dreamlike. And you're like, oh, here we go again. You know, this guy just got a, a random blowjob from some actress. Are we going to have him hook up with Charlie Theron now, who just looks, you know, he, she looks like 100 out of 10. Yeah. Usually, when I hear the word marriage, I teleport like Goku. But <laughs> I Funny. would marry her just based on that one seed. You know, I would be like, I'm done. Yeah, that, let, let's do it forever. I, the only thing, the only thing if I could say about her is that in this point in her career, you wouldn't really think she's got acting chops because she doesn't. She's just playing a, a silly character here. But to uh, see her move I, from I this, a bit, I, I know what you mean, but I a bit disagree because she has to do a lot in this movie with very little. You know, like she, most of the, in her whole introduction, she doesn't even have dialogue. Then she says very few things, and she has to really sell who this character is mm. and really sell this kind of irresistible nature, but also kind of. That she's that she's a pain in the ass as well. And so yeah, she, I, I think she, hindsight is twenty twenty. I think you're hypnotized by her ass because I'll be yeah. I'll be I, I love Charlie's film and I think she's a fantastic actress. But in this movie, she didn't have a lot to do. But what she did that, do was good. But it was mostly just sexual stuff, which again I I, I, don't, I don't I don't know, man. Because here's mm. the thing: the reason why I brought out the fantasy element because it starts off as a fantasy, but then it becomes real when he actually has to spend time with her sure. and they're going into the several locations. And that's when Charlie Stern really sold me on his characters. Cause trust me, I dated these girls, the girl who behave exactly like her. They're just as crazy, just as moody, just as flaky. Sure. One moment it's like, I'm hungry. The other moment it's like, let's go dancing. The other moment it's like, I want to go home. I'm exhausted. The other moment, oh, Hey, how are you? I haven't seen you in ages. They're usually either an actress. It's, it's or, kind, or, of, a, or it's a, kind of a stereotype, or, though, is what I'm saying. It's but kind of, I know these girls. I dated yeah. these girls. Seriously. Like, either an actress, a dancer, or a waitress who wants to be an actor or a dancer. Like, that, that, those are the three categories. And they be, it, going out with them, that's when I could really identify with Kenneth Branagh's character. Because you really just at these parties where they just seem to know everybody. Hmm. And, you know, every five minutes, you're trying to have a conversation, right? But every, every every two minutes, somebody just walks over and starts yelling, like, hey, I love you. I haven't seen you in ages. And then they just walk away. I'm like, wow, I thought you just got reunited with your long-lost brother or something. But apparently it was just some random guy you met once. So wait a <laughs> minute. Actually, wasn't this made at the same time as Devil's Advocate? Same year, right? 97? 98, 98, 97. Oh, so it was the so next uh, year she got. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. But the, the, close enough. Sure. But yeah, so to me, she actually did a lot. Like, her character went from basically walking off of the cover of Vogue magazine to actually a real person that I could mm. immediately identify. Like, I know this person inside and out. You I'm know, sorry. I've been with I, this person. I have to be harsh, Simon. If I saw this role, I wouldn't fit to myself, this girl's got actors. I think she's a, that was a good character. But as an actress, I wouldn't see I wouldn't see her future. I'm just putting it in hindsight is 2020. But I'm, whoever did see that, whoever saw that, that's why I'm not a casting director, but whoever saw that, obviously they did well to cast and Devil's Advocate, all those other movies. But from this movie here, being harsh, I would have not have seen that, personally. I don't know, man. I think 
just working with Woody Allen gives you credibility Definitely. because he worked with everybody. Definitely. That's one thing we established in this retrospective, especially with yeah. his 90s films. I mean, yeah. the casts are amazing and a lot of young talent. But right, let's let's okay. move forward because we're okay. running we're running out of time. We got to get to your boy. Yeah, yeah, we need, we need to we need to move on. Yeah, so we Leo, all know that Leo, Leo. Charlie Stern was amazing. Yeah, I think whatever. The, fuck you, <laughs> <laughs> Leo. Let's get to but, your boy, Leo. The king shit. Why everyone might even come to see this movie? Well, well I also want to mention that. Yeah, okay. Even, even though his character gets a bit more realistic in that segment, right after this, Lee hooks up with uh, is it Vivica Fox? Who again? This is after. Uh, what was it? Goldeneye. So, again, he after Charlie Theron, he hooks up with a damn Bond girl, and Vivica Fox again looks amazing. You know, hundred out of ten, two hundred out of ten, and she's really good for her. And you guessed it, it ends up with him meeting up with Winona Ryder again and discovering that he just needs to cheat. You know, it's just like it's not good enough, hmm. and. Leo's segment, which is great, and he should have been in the movie more because yeah. he's more interesting than the main storyline. He's top villain. This movie could have been. I know. Look, he's playing a very like when you, people who might watch this movie, even the first time I watched this movie, when I saw Leo going off the wall because he's really bananas. This movie, he's one of the. He's that stereotypical abusive. Everybody loves actor could do whatever he wants, and he's just crazy. He's doing all these outlandish actor things. And at this time, if you've seen, you know, DiCaprio, he's played even at this time in his career, he's done so many movies of every type, from being young to old. That you know he's putting it on, and he does well. But I honestly think if he saw his part now, he probably would frown upon it a bit because he's just being a little bit too caricaturish. But uh, yeah, but he's doing it on purpose, which is the role. But I'm just like, he, I don't think it's a role he, he would cherish that at the time. Yeah, but at the time he needed it because he was basically this hard drop, you yeah, know, up, yeah. like basically like I was six and seven when this came out and in elementary school, all the girls had posters of him just of for, not because they saw all his good movies mm. or his cool performances, but only because of Romeo and Juliet yeah. and, you know, Romeo must die yeah. and Titanic. And he was typecast as this, you know, cutie. We're not, uh, we're not, we're not Romeo must die, but yeah. You know, he was being typecast. <laughs> Sorry, what? I said, not when we must die, but yeah. <laughs> he was, oh, come on now. I'm fucking with you. I'm fucking with you. Go on, go on. <laughs> Basically, you know what I'm going to say. He was being typecast. Yeah, he, he, was. he was. He was being, the, he was being uh, the perfect gentleman-like, you he know, was. Was. knight in shining armor. Yes. He, that's his costume in Romeo Must Die, a knight in shining armor. You know, yeah. it, every girl wanted to be his girlfriend he couldn't do no wrong he was perfect they wanted him to do a bunch of romantic movies you know lover boy angel eyes soft that kind of stuff and that's why we didn't like him like when i was a kid i wasn't a fan of him even though he gave some really good performances as a Mm. young actor because i was like oh this this guy's slimy this guy's weak this guy's a bitch you know he's just like this pretty boy whatever you know like give me christian bale from american psycho any day you know that guy that guy has potential this guy is a well you know, and that's Leonardo DiCaprio. He's one of the greatest actors of his generation. Sure. So he really needed the role where he could be a complete asshole and just remind people that he can act. And he's not just a Hollywood pretty boy who's always going to be the nice guy or the perfect, you know, the perfect lover. I agree with everything you're saying, but the only problem is in this movie, he's a bit of a cartoon character. 
That's the problem. Oh, well, he's a complete cartoon. I mean, the whole thing, like, I love you, you fucking bitch, but I'm going to kill you. I mean, that's his whole opening scene. You know what I say? I'm like, isn't this a Madonna music video from the 90s? Again, a super 90s scene, the trashing the hotel. That's a, such yeah. a cliche. And then we get an orgy right after that, so... Yeah, I mean, I've been on the funniest. The funniest part is when he's having sex right next to Kenneth Branagh sitting there. And I mean, <laughs> he's fine. He's fine. It's just when you look at it in retrospect, you're like, huh. You know, I think you have expectations of this movie. He's top billing. If you watch a movie and you see the other DiCaprio back in the 90s, you'll be like, wow, what's this movie? You see this movie and you're going to be like, okay, it's a bit different. He's a bit cartoony, you know, but he's still very good. He's a great actor. He does good in the movie. And he's in the movie. Obviously, I want to be there more, like you said. I wish he was. I wish the movie revolved, well, I wish he was in the movie more, but his character probably was in enough because I couldn't watch an hour and a half of this character. He's just a complete arsehole. But, and to be honest, we could kind of wrap up the movie because we spoke about the characters. To be honest with you, this movie is more about characters and what they're going through rather than the actual narrative because they all meet each other and you meet all these individual characters and just you got the you know the husband and wife who's the thorough line and you've got all the celebrities they meet yeah and Renona Vyas character just at the end I mean we could talk about it a little bit but she's just that he thinks he's found that diamond in the rough he has a soul monologue to her that like, you're the one you're the woman I wrote about again another Woody Allen thing where he's got all those lyrics which is really cool but that turns to shit obviously because it, it's oh, realistic yeah. so I like that but by the end of it I came away from the movie honestly I came away from the movie just like feeling like Woody this was kind of um this was kind of stardust memories to me in the way you got a perspective on something which you're saying to the audience and I didn't really feel good coming away from the movie because as a story, it felt just like I was watching him show these characters that were a little bit cartoony. And, I and again, I was expecting things from the actors. You know, the Capio, Charlie the Ferron. I didn't get what I was, thought I was getting. I got kind of these 90s caricature characters. And by the end, I was just kind of like, you know, this movie's kind of, kind of whatever, Woody. And here's the thing. That character, Brenna, um, Kenneth Branagh's character, that was Woody Allen. If Woody Allen played that part in the movie, it wouldn't have made a difference. Like him not being in the movie, it wouldn't have helped the movie anyway because he's done this a hundred times. So it felt like, a, to be honest with you, I know you're going to be surprised when you say this, it felt like another Stardust Memories where Woody was trying to say something from his perspective, of his experience about something. And to me, it didn't resonate. It was oh, like, really? I, I, I thought that you ultimately liked the movie a lot better. Nah, yeah. I was kind of like, I know what you're doing with this. This is that Stardust Memories again. I know what you're trying to say, but I don't really like it. I get it. It's not as convoluted. As it's very straightforward. And, you know, it's black and white as well. I'm like, there's one thing in this movie, that there's one change in this movie, I think would have made this movie a whole lot better. Because honestly, the fact this is the 90s hurts the movie. If this was actually like a 50s movie, that, you know, 60s movie, it's a period piece movie, I think it would have helped the movie a lot more. Because then we got a lot, a lot more dazzle, a lot of this pretentiousness of these people. It would have fit more of the age, but for the nineties, I was like, "Really? This seems a bit like a a bit of fiction, you know? This seems uh, like you're uh, purposefully know, drawing these characters a certain way. It, it seems like you kind of taking the piss out of people again. So, eh, you know." But 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 here's the thing: like you say, they're caricatures, but these are the people we deal with today. You know, Charlie Starin's party girl character. People make careers out of no, that. No, they're there. The my, my point with the movie is not that they just. All right, you're right. They're not caricatures. I will say that. But the problem is, they're the only... He's focusing on these negative people. Like, everyone he focuses on this movie, 
they're all negative kind of stereotypes. And although they're real, they're all of one kind of ilk. They're all ridiculous. They're all greedy. They're all selfish. And sure. They, I, you I know, mean, so but, it's kind of like, the end, there's no balance to me. But but at the end, I, I know what you're saying. But at the end, Judy Davis's character, she becomes a celebrity. You know, we see her journey on how she got there. And we close the movie with her attending this premiere, yeah. which, again, very Stardust memories that we end in a theater. Exactly. But... You know, she's attending this premiere and people walk up to her like, you gave me so much hope. I love your show. You put me in a good mood. I really look up to you. So it kind of shows you the positive aspects of being a a celebrity that you become a role model or somebody gives people hope and makes them happy. So her character arc is good in that. But again, you would need less of her because if you've seen previous Woody Allen films – her introduction is quite typical. You yeah. know, we've seen it all before. We've seen yeah. this actress play this character before. So by the time we get the payoff of what she has become to see her transformation, we spend too much time with her just just going through the motions of, oh, I'm single. Oh, I'm, I met this really nice guy, but he's going to do something and it's going to mess it up for me. I'm like, if you really want to explore this storyline, Woody, you know, you should have either put it in Alice <laughs> which is a, a movie made in you know like 1990 with Mia Farrow or I wish he would produce more films you know produce a film get a female director and a you know a predominantly female cast and make a, a female romantic movie a, about somebody going through a character because over here the character was way more interesting towards the end so I wish we could just skip to that you know have her in the movie less have more of the celebrities in the movie, like, come back and see them from maybe a different perspective or a different environment. Uh, and, and by the way, I should also say, I think this, this movie was, like, a, nearly two, uh, over an hour and 45 minutes. It could have been trimmed. You could have trimmed 20 minutes off because they're going from A to B. A lot of it is just them going to the places. and It, it does drag a bit. It really needs... Yeah. It could have been trimmed down, so it really waned on me. I actually had to watch it twice because I fell asleep because it just... I know what he was trying to do in the movie, and I do appreciate it, but to me, this was a, another Woody Allen... This was kind of personal. I felt like this was a, a personal movie. It was trying to say something personal. Lots of memories. It came off more as him trying to say a lot of things with a lot of characters and narrative. This is not a typical movie, in my opinion. And i got something to tell you about the user feedback about this movie. Because the user feedback is pretty harsh. <laughs> but I'll, let you, I'll let you wrap it off. I'll let you wrap it off if I tell you about that. Well, I'll say this. Charlie Theron freaking amazing you know I, I don't know i don't know if i mentioned that before in this movie, I, I don't think you I, mentioned I like that once I, yeah. I, no no I, I don't i don't think i forgot to bring it up but <laughs> overall i like this better than stardust memories i see the comparisons sure, sure. i think the repeat of the husband and wife uh, separation dynamic uh-huh. hurts the story i think yeah. one of the great things about the previous film was um that it, it was just focused on what was this character's name in that sam deconstructing harry right yeah. So Harry, Harry's character, that it was just him. He started off as an asshole, but then we learned about where he came from. And the whole focus was on him. Here, because we got a split between Robin and Lee, Lee's character just comes up as an asshole. And if you don't have that kind of appreciation for some of his scenes like I did, he just continues to be an asshole, you know? And yeah. he does asshole things throughout the film so there's not a whole lot of room for redemption and in the end he's not supposed to redeem himself anyway because he fucks himself over so that was that deteriorated from the celebrity part of it and i think it's a good movie i enjoy the film but what keeps it from greatness 
is that there was a lot of opportunity to play around with the celebrities. I would have wished that the different celebrities would have interacted with each other. Yeah. That there would have been a moment where they come back towards the end of the film. Even mm-hmm. something like uh, Mighty Aphrodite had that nice wrap-up where we actually got to see each character have their storyline wrap up in a, in a mini montage at the end, which yeah. really surprised me. That I'm like, that's really nice, Woody. I'm glad you did that. It made the comedic scenes and these one-off uh, supporting characters that just came and went from the story actually matter. And we got to learn what happened to them, and it kind of wrapped everything up nicely. I wish he would have done something similar because most of the interesting celebrities are missing at the end. The only wrap-up we get that the director from the beginning opening scene of the film gets to attend the premiere of his own film at the end. So I'm like, okay, that came for a circle, but that guy wasn't in the movie beside those two scenes. So really, that doesn't give us anything. I wish we would have seen everybody else come back, interact with each other, have more clever crossovers to make these characters and world feel more alive. Yeah. Instead, it was a peek in the window, and then the window closed, and then we're back to, well, I guess Lee's life sucks because he's a dumbass. I think he could have fixed a lot of what you're saying if he did made a period piece and and it kind of distracted you more with great cinematography of Hollywood and stuff like that. This was very... The cinematography, when I'm talking about location-wise, you're really just going to parties, going to places. You didn't really enjoy the landscape like he usually does in his movies. You just focus on the characters and where they're going and what they're talking about. I think there could have been more distraction with locations and the spectacle of Hollywood. And he does that a lot in other movies. And we're going to get to Midnight in Paris where he does that as well with the country. He didn't do oh, it yeah. in this movie, which again... Because you want to focus. He get, yeah. He gets better with the Woody Allen Surdicate characters, though. I think in terms of directing actors, yeah. later on where actors kind of play a role that he would traditionally play, I think that sure. gets better. Yeah. And we may disagree with the period piece because one of the b- best things for me about the movie is how he predicted celebrities today. Like what he did with the 90s, observing what went on with the 90s, I feel like all the celebrities today you know, are like that, are this ridiculous, this freaking craziness this running theme that has even that though, really ever changed though in hollywood yeah well boy, because we lived in it our whole lives we don't notice but for people who came from the 70s like woody they saw this kind of decline in values and now here we are he's like he, he's been preaching about it for ages and again that's what i'm saying he touched on this on stardust memories again so it's like uh, he, he does stardust memories but come on now the only thing donald trump says in the whole film that I'm going to tear everything down and then try to build something. And then <laughs> he, does, he doesn't even get to show it because everybody knows he's full of shit. So I'm like, that's exactly what's going on right now. Yeah. He's tearing down the damn White House. That's the building he's tearing down. So Woody is some twisted irony predicting the future. I guess it's it's his Jewish nature to say, I told you so. Yeah. Well, I, I guess he gets to say that for the rest of the end, until the end of time because he did. But yeah, it's a good movie. It's very entertaining. I, mm. I like a lot of the performances, but it does drag <laughs> with the main plot. Well, I tell you what, Simon, you might be surprised to hear, man. This is a movie, man. There was another movie. I I, I can't remember what it is. One of the other audience where we spoke about where people really felt like they got missold on this movie. Because number one, when this movie was coming out, and this is what my research shows. You know what? First of all, let me just get this out of the way. Rotten Tomatoes, one of his lowest movies in the low fours. Like rotten by critics, rotten by fans, same thing with IMDb. They don't they do not like this movie. And a lot of it has got to do with expectations. First of all, 
when the movie was coming out, obviously they heard the stars that was in Leonardo DiCaprio, Leonardo Ryder, you know, hits the 90s and they, they were expected. The movie's called Celebrity. It's going to be a, a movie about Hollywood. Then your main two actors are not as widely celebrated as the other characters you've got who end up just being cameos. Then the movie itself is a, another critique on the industry, which people did not like in Salah's memories anyway. So he does it again. And people just thought this was very pretentious. <laughs> And the people, the reviews I read, people hated this movie. <laughs> I was so surprised. Like, to be honest with you, I remember watching it back in the day. I was, you know, I saw the cover for this movie, like, wow, all these stars. I watched the movie. This was nothing like I was expecting. So people went to the theater. This was not the movie they signed up for. Or they hated the negative characters. They hated the stereotypes. What he's trying to say is something. They didn't like it. Again, this is, honestly, this was another Starless memory to a lot of people. The only difference is there, he directly attacked the fans. That was a running gag in that movie. This time, not so much. But it didn't make a difference because people did not get what they wanted from this movie and they showed that because the legacy of this movie is not very good. And a lot of the Leo fans, especially the Leonardo DiCaprio fans, they did not appreciate this movie. And you can probably tell why because he's a fucking arsehole in the movie. So, And like you said, he was that heartthrob and this movie is the complete opposite. So people really do not like this movie. And I was surprised how much they didn't like it. I don't, to be honest with you, I don't think it works. I don't hate it. I don't think it works ultimately, but I can see why this is not this is not a crowd pleasing movie. And I'm actually surprised how much it's hated though overall. Well, what can I say? As usual, people are wrong, and that's kind of what the movie's about: declining values. <laughs> <laughs> you like... weren't saying that in Star Wars movies, though, were you? <laughs> no, because Star Wars series is a shit movie. But <laughs> but uh, you know. Again, even Leo's character says it directly to the fans. Most of the scripts I got get are bullshit. This is real. So there you go. That's your explanation. I, I don't know what to tell you. I bet they didn't Again, like that either. <laughs> the, the movie could be could juggle characters better. And it really could have toned down the for Woody Allen himself, the cliche husband and wife plot line. That that was really like dragging on and made the movie actually kind of feel long in places. But other than that, I think it's a pretty good movie. Hmm. Uh, we tend to disagree but guys that's not what you're thinking in the, in the description down below I don't know how this turned out to be our longest review for any of the Woody Allen movies it, this is really weird to me but I don't feel like there was a lot of fluff there we had a, we had a thorough discussion probably more than we need to have about the movie but either way you know it is what it is and guys again if you're listening you completely disagree with me if you got me too harsh I don't think so because the messes have slammed this movie or you know you think me and Simon are completely off base let us know in the comments down below Simon I'm gonna let you go but as always I'm gonna say thank you for joining me on this one okay uh, I'm, I'm glad to tell you you're wrong I mean that's kind of like my second job now so you keep saying it as many times as you want but you know the legacy of this movie is what it is so guys thanks for watching thanks for subscribing to the channel if you're listening to us on the podcast you can subscribe we've done all the other retrospectives i've already told you guys how to follow us the links will be in the description down below and guys we will see you on the next recording bye